This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Chris Foster. Today, Jesse Weeks, who served 10 years in prison for robbing a bank when he was 21 years old, says he saw firsthand what works and what doesn't in the criminal justice system. He went on to become an attorney and criminal justice expert working with the nonprofit Prison Fellowship. It's the world's largest Christian nonprofit organization for prisoners, former prisoners, and their families. We talked about his brief, unfortunate criminal career getting caught and locked up, and about his work now helping convicts become better citizens in and out of prison. We had to cut our conversation down for the regular weekday podcast and radio show, but this is all of it without the edits. Thanks for listening as always. Now, Jesse Weiss on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Well, Jesse, it's good to talk to you. Um, thanks for coming on the Fox News Rundown. If you don't mind, let me just start with your criminal history. Why were you robbing banks? I know the answer is that's where the money is. But um, how, did you, how did you get started with, with a criminal career? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I, I was 21. I, I only robbed one bank. I don't recommend robbing banks at all. And um, but I, when I was 21, I really found myself in a deep hole trying to figure out what life's all about, what's, what's making this globe spin around and keeping us on it. Uh, so really just had an ex- existential crisis um, and really just um, looked to the wrong places to try to fill that void uh, and found myself on the um, yielding end of a 38 caliber pistol robbing a bank in Iowa. I uh, was quickly apprehended and spent the next 10 years incarcerated. Okay. Uh, were you from, did you grow up in Iowa? Is that where you, that's where you were? No, actually, I grew up in the Midwest, um, and I actually stole a car in Oklahoma and drove it up to Iowa uh, in an effort to rob a small rural bank, thinking that it would be much easier to not get caught um, in a small town, and um, was certainly unsuccessful in that. Um, as I ended up spending the next 10 years right. incarcerated. What was the arrest like? What was the trial like? I mean, how did you deal with the fact? I mean, you know, when when you were caught, you were caught. Sure. And you knew immediately, I assume. I don't know how much you thought about the consequences before you went into that bank. But once the handcuffs were on, you certainly knew, I'm going to prison. Yeah, most definitely. I, you know, my my outlook at that point was, was very nihilistic. Um, really didn't think too much about the consequences. I say all the time that most crime isn't rational. Um, and I, I hold to that statement, um, especially given the, the past 25 years I've been in this space. Um, but the, yeah, when I was arrested, I was, I was apprehended. It was a high-speed chase. I, I walked out of the bank. Uh, there were dye packs put into the, the money that explode once you kind of walk through the front doors of the bank. And so in kind of Hollywood fashion, I'm driving high speed in a high speed chase. I have the windows rolled down because there's red dye with riot gas coming out of my car. So I was very inconspicuous (laughs) and um, being chased by the police and was apprehended. Thankfully, nobody was injured. And uh, I remember driving back by the bank, the police officer doing his due diligence, uh, trying to get a confession out of me, which he was very successful in doing asking me, does this look familiar to you? And I remember asking him, how much time do you think I'll do in prison? And I remember him saying, uh, about five years. 
And I said, well, I've never been to prison before. So that was really my attitude kind of going into the system. I'd never been in the system before. Um, I had never been arrested before. So it was my first foray into the criminal justice system at, at that point. Yeah, and like you said, nihilistic, 21 years old, you probably thought, eh, whatever, you know, nothing nothing matters anyway, so it may as well not matter uh, behind bars. Was that a, was how much, Yes, I assume you were disabused of that pretty quickly. Yeah, very quickly. I spent about eight and a half months in jail and quickly realized that, you know, this could be, I was looking at a very lengthy sentence, like I was being interviewed by the FBI and was, you know, looking at the rest of my life, um, at least my adult, you know, working life um, in car- being, being incarcerated. Um, and that was, a, that was a hard reality looking at that. Um, you know, it was, it, I was ultimately sentenced to 15 years, which was gracious. Um, and ultimately I was able to sit down with, uh, the president of the bank that I robbed and reconcile with him, uh, which, which was a phenomenal, um, or I should say, which was a catalytic, um, part of my story that I think really kind of pushed me into the direction that I, I'm, I'm at today. So I really credit him with anything that I've ever achieved mm-hmm. to this point. You've said that, you know, you saw firsthand how prisons are really good at keeping people locked up but for the most part that's really just about it right right yeah i think we're at a turning point in our country when it comes to prisons and 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 kind of what does it what is a good prison and so ultimately you know the current measurement system that we use to measure success is recidivism which is which is essentially a failure rate which measures the rate at which people return to the criminal justice system every state kind of has their own definition of what recidivism is. So there's not a universal metric, if you will, even though we use the same term. And it's ultimately a failure rate. And we very rarely use failure rates as a measure of success. And to be quite honest, you know, the failure rate is is fairly high given the amount of time, energy, effort, and resources that we've spent over the past 50 years in trying to tackle that problem. And me, you know, in walking through the criminal justice system, what I've realized is that the majority, the strong majority of people want to change and they want to do what's, quote unquote, the right thing. Uh, I've never met anybody who said, boy, I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to come back to prison. But the reality is, is that you're not allowed to the opportunities to kind of practice the norms and the skills and character uh, attributes that we want people to actualize in society is not available in prison. It is very difficult. And I would argue that it is in some cases uh, physically uh, detrimental to your to, to your well-being um, if you operate in in kind of uh, the way that we want people to 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 be upon their release. So there's this norm, there's this cultural norm that exists within prisons across the country and jails that supersedes, um, the goal that we want, um, and that goal, I argue, is not just that we don't want people to return to prison, but we want people to pay their taxes. We want people to volunteer. We want people to be contributors, not just detractors or takers from our society. Uh, but what we expect is we expect people to just walk out of the prison system, which you've had to, in some cases, you know, be reduced to just some animal tendencies. They're in a constant fight-or-flight mode. And so as soon as you cross the prison threshold, we think this fairy dust sprinkles on your head and automatically you're now going to become a good citizen, uh, which that is is just 
uh, insanity, in my opinion. So it's time that we start to ask the question, not just what is a what is a good prison program, but what is a good prison? In and of itself, prisons are a program. When you go into the system, you are going into a system that has a process and it has has norms and values. And so when you work through that system and you spend 10, 15, 20 years in that system, you are being trained um, and indoctrinated into that culture. And so I think the, the question I'm asking is, what is that culture? How do we measure that culture? And more importantly, how can we change it? Yeah, I was going to ask, how can we change it? I mean, I, look, you can provide classes, you can provide therapy, you can do whatever you want. But if when, when it's just general population time, if it's right back to fight or flight, then I don't know necessarily what good those classes are doing you. Right. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that I think that obviously that they do have some value. I, we've seen it. We do it at Prison Fellowship all day, every day. Um, but when I was incarcerated, I had the opportunity to participate in the Prison Fellowship Academy program, which is a program that kind of creates everybody lives in the same living unit. And so you create this, uh, you know, this place, this space for people to be vulnerable, to be a bit transparent, to create relationships, and to be just what I think I would define as civil. And, you know, you would shake hands with people, which you don't do in prison. That is not something you do. Uh, you know, you would look people in the eye, which is, again, something that you don't do in prison. And so there are these just general norms. I remember walking into that environment and immediately you're on guard. You're thinking, what is happening? This is not the way this is supposed to be. But it's exactly what we want it to be on the outside, right outside of prison. You know, every taxpayer wants people to come out and never come back. And they also want to be treated fairly by those individuals. And so but that's what was occurring in this in this program space. And I just had the thought even even back then, well, what, why can't prisons be like this generally? It's ultimately what everybody in prison wants to be. Very few people in prison want to live like an animal or or or, or, or be on that constant, you know, have that constant tension. Right. And so very few people want to do that. And, and so I think the questions are is, number one, is the person equipped with the values and character to be a good citizen? So the way that we currently look at when a person walks into the criminal justice system and the way that they are assessed, it varies across states and across in, in, in the federal system. But ultimately, what people are looking at is they're looking at what's called criminogenic risk factors, which are essentially eight factors that have been identified through research to say, if you reduce these factors, a person is less likely to recidivate or less likely to come back to prison. Most of those factors are rooted in antisocial thoughts, attitudes, behaviors. Are they hanging out with antisocial people? those types of things. But again, those are all a reduction of negative attributes. We're not asking the question, what does it take to be a, to, to be a good citizen? We're asking the question, what does it take to not be a bad citizen? Right. right. And so I'm trying to flip that question and saying, it's time we start asking the question, why aren't people going to prison or why aren't people committing crime versus just asking the question, well, why are people coming back or why are people recidivating? Um, I feel like it's really, you know, we don't ask that question in any other major institution. For example, hospitals, we don't just ask, well, what's the mortality rate? No. If I go to a hospital, I want to know, hey, what's the survival rate? Sure. But like, what's the quality of life afterwards? You know, what is my quality of life going to be? 
And, you know, and, and we make our decisions based on those questions that we ask. And I think it's time that we do that in the criminal justice system or in the prison system specifically. And so, you know, the first question is ultimately, how are we, you know, are they equipped with these character traits to become good citizens? And, and how we've defined that is essentially, um, you know, looking at these, these, these value traits that we've seen at Prison Fellowship that really equate to uh, good citizenship. And then the second question is, so, so we look at that. And then the second question is, well, is, is the prison environment conducive to people actualizing those values? So to your point, the fact that we teach something in the classroom, but it's being, you know, taken away or eroded as soon as they walk out of the prison classroom into the prison yard, that doesn't make, make much uh, fiscal sense, and it just doesn't make make much general sense. I would argue across the board. So the question is, is how can we, you know, shift and move prison culture towards actualizing the these main character traits that we want to see um, that support good citizenship. And so, you know, ultimately, I've said it a hundred times, but prisons are a program. We spent billions of dollars in this country on on programs in prisons, but to what point? My question is, you know, let's continue. Yes, programs are very important, but let's make sure we're getting the maximum ROI on those programs. And let's make sure those programs are aligned, not to just a reduction of negative attributes, but to the adoption of positive attributes that we want to see people be able to practice inside prison. So when they walk out the prison door, no more ma magic fairy dust is needed. We don't have to cross our fingers and, oh, I hope this one makes it. You know, we know that we put in the effort. They've had the opportunity to practice, just like riding a bike, that they've had the opportunity to practice those values inside that environment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And they're more likely to, to, to succeed when they walk out. Tell me about the history of Prison Fellowship. You're a vice president there now. I guess you helped design um, their programs. How, do they, how does Prison Fellowship get into prisons? Tell me about the history of it. Um, tell me about the religious aspect of it. Is that an issue with some inmates? I'm asking a lot of questions, but answer them in any order you want. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Prison Fellowship, we, you know, we work to restore America's criminal justice system and those it affects. Um, you know, we've been we were founded in 1976 by the late Chuck Colson, who was known as, as uh, President Nixon's hatchet man. And, uh, you know, we serve all those affected by crime and incarceration to see lives and communities restored in and out of prison. And we do this in a lot of different ways. We do this through criminal justice advocacy. We do this by serving the children of the incarcerated, of incarcerated parents um, and, and families of incarcerated parents generally. Uh, the, the primary way we do this is through our prison programs across the country. Um, we have over 130 um, in, uh, programs across the country that are um, a year in length, and it's called our Prison Fellowship Academy. And, and so that was what I was able to kind of go through when I went when I went to prison. And there are very few hands reaching up when you're in the criminal justice system and prison fellowships and its volunteers certainly provides those opportunities. And so we provide our programs. Uh, we are a Christian uh, based organization. We're the largest in the country. 
um, as it relates to serving those um, who are incarcerated in their families. Um, but we offer our services in prison to anybody of any religious affiliation or no religious affiliation. I mean, our, our, our primary goal in our prison program is to bring people, um, number one, to, to see that they have potential and value, and uh, then to provide them the tools um, to practice that over time um, so that they can make it their own and then they can have a better and stronger future, which all of us, I would argue, um, in this great country would want to see people coming out of the criminal justice system achieve. How do you guys get into individual prisons or into, like, do you work with state corrections departments? Do you work with individual wardens? Then you also mentioned that people in the program within the prison sort of um, become their own community. How does that, how does that arrangement work out? Yeah, so we partner with state departments of correction um, across the country um, in offering our programs um, and our events in prisons um, all over the country. And so that that's a great partnership that we have. And I, and I will say, you know, a lot of departments of corrections are asking the same questions that I'm, I'm, I'm positing here and trying to figure that out. And at Prison Fellowship, what we're, what we're trying to do is offer a solution. And so the way we're doing that is by providing um, these new assessment tools for prisons to use um, in evaluating their prison culture, number one. So there's no assessment tool really um, a strong validated assessment tool that's out there on the market for prisons to look at their prison culture. And then number two, provide an assessment for individuals coming into the system that looks more globally and holistically um, at them as, a, as an individual instead of just looking at their um, negative attributes, but looking at their character attributes as it relates to good citizenship and then providing them the opportunities uh, to then increase um, where they have those deficits. And so that's what we that, that that's how we kind of partner with um, departments of corrections across the country. And again, there's there's lots of, de of departments of corrections that are doing phenomenal work. And, and we're very excited and, and grateful to be partnering with them. Jesse, there's a lot of controversy about there are some states, there are some cities that are trying to do more work on criminal justice reform, uh, bail reform, for example, keeping out of keeping people out of jail pretrial maybe not incarcerating people for as long or not at all if it wasn't a violent crime. We saw a lot of people let go in the earlier days of the COVID pandemic. Um, and then, of course, you get these outlier stories about people committing crime, sometimes violent crime, when they're out, when sure. when years earlier they wouldn't have been out. And so, of course, that makes all the headlines and says everybody, you know, we're being soft on crime. What are your thoughts on that aspect of the criminal justice system? Yeah, I think I think we're starting to see some of the 90s rhetoric come back. Um, and certainly violent crime is on the rise. Nobody can argue with that. I think that what's important to understand is there's multiple reasons, you know, for for this phenomena. Um, and in the past, we've really had a whack-a-mole approach to solving very complex problems. Um, and so making very quick, rash decisions, uh, some of those being we'll just lock them up and throw away the key. And uh, I, I would just advocate that we don't take that approach, that we start to take a look at what is a global approach that we could do for this issue um, and, and, and what are the primary contributors. And I think those are very difficult questions. Uh, however, I do think that one of, the, one of the things that we have not looked at in this conversation is how it, prison culture is or may be contributing uh, to that, at least that revolving door, um, and perhaps even to the increase in violent crime. So I think it's a great time for us to start to look at, you know, these other potential contributors to that issue uh, where we haven't in the past. Yeah, you mentioned return on investment, ROI earlier. Um, is that an argument that 
um, you guys try to make to these people who say, look, we just need to be uh, tougher on crime. You can say, do you make the argument, well, do you want, you know, you can lock them up, but unless you're going to lock them up forever, you want them to, again, pay taxes and, and, and be a good person once they get out. Right. I do think it's a tension. And I, I think the tension is more of a reaction versus a response. So I think what happens is when we get violent crime, which is certainly um, an important conversation to have in, the, in this country and, and at just at the local community level, um, you know, but but the but the issue for me is is saying, well, you know, number one, I think that we always have to have this understanding of justice. What does justice require? And so when we when we throw out these, we'll just lock them up further. To me, I always have to bring it back to a justice-centered equation. Well, what? How are we determining what justice requires here? And and how do we have the freedom to just, you know, <laughs> expand sentencing times? Um, you know, just because that's what we feel like needs to happen, uh, because we don't want other people to do it. I, I think um, increasing punishment, you know, based solely on uh, trying to, you know, create um, an example so less people will do that, I, I don't think is actually founded um, historically. And, and so I don't even I don't think that's a really good approach. But I, I think that, you know, it, it, it's just that it, it is that tension of, of where what is right, I think, is the first question we need to have. What is just? And then to your point, the fact that we can get mad and, and justice can certainly require somebody to spend a significant amount of time in prison. Uh, but the reality is 95 percent of people in this country are going to get out. And so the question is, is what is what is the actual punishment is going to prison and being removed from your family, being removed from society, being, re- being removed from the ability for you to make decisions, enter contracts, do anything to make a living or advance uh, your life as we all know it in this country. Is that the punishment or are we saying the punishment is that plus you're going to be, you know, in a, in an environment where you, you have to, you know, you could potentially suffer assault, stabbing, rape. Is that, is that part of the, is that, is that part of the punishment, which we would argue that should not, at least I would argue that should not be a consideration of the punishment. Um, and so the the question remains, well, then what does it mean to be a prison and what is the function of a prison in the United States? And then I would posit what makes a good prison in the United States? And I think what we're actually the question we're asking and, and, and trying to move forward is what kind of value does a prison have within its local community? So the reality is, is that people that work in prison have a higher suicide rate than other law enforcement personnel. So it's the highest. Why is that? And why would we tolerate that? So a lot of this prison culture pieces, they erode into the local communities. And I would argue you have you have an increase in domestic violence in those in those demographics. And so it's all contributing to this kind of prison culture environment that is then eroding and slipping into our communities. But we're not looking at it like that. Um, so by addressing the prison culture piece, we're, al- we're providing a salve to other issues in the local community. And I think once we start to ask this question, what is a good prison and how do we measure it? I think we're going to start to see some additional ROI that we haven't seen in the past. Jesse, one more question. If you looked into, does anybody else do it better than we do? Are there, are there models that, um, th- that are more successful that you've seen that could be adopted to American uh, jails and prisons? Sure. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm a proponent. I mean, I think that we still have the greatest criminal justice system in the world. Um, however, there's always room for improvement. Uh, I think that's what's great about this country is that we, we should always be looking how we can improve um, the ideals that are in the Constitution um, and the rights that are afforded to the, you know, to the citizens or citizens. So I, I think that, um, you know, what, as it relates to the prison system, I do think that there are some very great examples that we can start to look at. So countries like Norway, which have started what's called normalization, which essentially means, you know, how prison life can it be as normal? Can you make it as normal as it need, as it should be when it comes to the outside? So should you cook your own meals? Um, these types of things, right? What does it look like? Can you go to work every day? Um, and I think this concept of practice over just content, what I mean by that is instead of putting people in the classroom and just lecturing them like, hey, this is what you need to do. Just stop using drugs. And this is why you use drugs. And this is why you have a potential addiction problem. And all that stuff is I'm not saying it's not necessary. But in addition to that, you know, can you have an opportunity to practice the principles that you're being taught? Um, as I'm a I'm a strong believer that more is caught than taught. And so, and I think the military is a great example. You start in and you just, you just kind of, you fake it till you make it. They tell you that all the time, just fake it till you make it. But, you know, in a lot of instances, you don't really know what it looks like maybe to be a good citizen. And so by allowing people to kind of put on that suit, try it on, you know, break in their new shoes, it really, it really does, you know, I've, I've seen it. Um, and I think research proves it, that you see people um, that may not be willing to do it at the beginning, but because of that practice, they, it becomes their own. And that's the way that they decide to live their life. So, yes, I think there are examples. I don't I'm not sure those are all 100 percent applicable in the United States, uh, but there are certain things that we we, we have looked to at prison fellowship and say this this potential piece could work here. Let's let's adopt that in our good citizenship model. And so so there are there are certainly things to look at as far as how prison is done in other countries. Jesse Weiss, uh, former bank robber. I don't know how you feel about that being tagged onto you for every interview, but I guess it did lead to what um, what we're talking about today. Uh, also, yeah. an, also an attorney now and uh, vice president of program design and evaluation at Prison Fellowship. Jesse, thanks for coming on The Rundown. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.